Today on Bold Steps, Mark Job teaches us the importance of perspective. You may look at your life and think, well, I'm an addict, I've had failure, had a lot of mistakes, and I, I, I don't think I can ever change, and I've tried a lot, and, and my script is going to continue to be the same script over and over. What you need is a God encounter. Only a God encounter will change your script. And welcome to Bold Steps with Mark Job, president of Moody Bible Institute. And Mark is also the senior pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Today we're continuing a stirring series on how to escape the spiritual traps that immobilize us and to get our lives moving in the direction God has called us. It's called Unstuck, Out of Your Cave and Into Your Call. And Mark, we've arrived at the fourth point of what we need to address in order to get unstuck here. Yeah, so we're looking at the life of Elijah and um, he has a moment in his life where he has to re-envision his life story. Hmm. And, you know, Wayne, so many times we get this wrong narrative about our story. And it's not the God narrative. It's our personal narrative. Mm-hmm. And that narrative sometimes haunts us. That narrative can confuse us. That narrative can rob our identity. And that narrative can skew our destiny as well. Yeah, it gets us off track. I understand. It sure. does. And so God has to um, talk to Elijah, and he has to re-envision his vision. And that's the title of this message as Mark Job begins. Last year, I had the opportunity of going down to Quito, Ecuador. Any Ecuadorians in here today? Yeah, let's give it up. Ecuador is a beautiful place, beautiful people. And I highly enjoyed it. Quito is a fascinating city, uh, just tremendous time down there. But I was asking, hey, now that I'm here in Quito, what should I see? So several people told me, oh, if you're in Quito, you need to travel outside of the city because there's a place called the center of the world, la mitad del mundo. And I said, well, what's that? And they said, well, scientists and geographers have determined that the very epicenter of the world where the southern hemisphere meets the northern hemisphere and when the, when the east meets the west is right at that point called the center of the world. So I decided, hey, who doesn't want to be in the center of the world? So I traveled to this place and sure enough, there outside of Quito, Ecuador, there is a monument a huge, massive monument that marks what scientists about 50 years ago determined was the center of the world. Hundreds of thousands of tourists have been to that place. In fact, not only do they have thousands of tourists that visit every year, but they have a very noticeable yellow line that marks the center of the world that supposedly marks the southern hemisphere from the northern hemisphere. So if you have one foot on one side, you're on the southern hemisphere. If you have one foot on the other side, you're on the northern hemisphere. They say that toilets on the southern hemisphere flush one way, and on the northern hemisphere, they flush another way. In fact, they also told us that if you get an egg and put it on top of a nail, you can actually spin an egg if you're in the center point, 
because there's no gravitational pull to the north or to the south because you're right in the center of the earth's gravitational pull. So I told the tour guide, hey, I want to spin an egg. Can we try it? And he said, well, it's not going to work fully well if we do it on the yellow line. I said, why not? He said, well, scientists with new GPS systems have determined that this yellow line is actually not the center of the world. <laughs> that the actual center of the world is about 800 feet over in the parking lot over there. <laughs> I thought, wow, what a great illustration of how so many of us live our life. We believe that this is our life story, yet God is saying to us, that's really not true reality, because true reality, according to God's GPS, is 800 feet over. And so I've discovered that a lot of people have a movie playing in their head. They think it's reality, but it's really not. They, they think it's really the story of their life, but it's really not the story. The true story of your life is 800 feet over. And so today, I want to talk to you about re-envisioning your life story because I think if you have the wrong mental story, you'll begin to live out your life the wrong way. And I see that in the story of Elijah. So if you take your Bibles today and turn to 1 Kings chapter 19, you'll see the story unfold about Elijah. This whole series of Unstuck is about one event in the story of the prophet Elijah. He went from the mountaintop experience of being this iconic, legendary prophet calling fire down from heaven, untouchable, to quickly descending so deep into the desert of discouragement that he became suicidal. In that desert of discouragement, he decided that he would walk to the mountain of God. And so he took a 200-mile journey. It should have taken him 20 days, but because he was tired and discouraged, it took him 40 days. And he crawled into a cave, and he lay inside of that cave, discouraged, stuck, lonely, not having a clear vision about the future, having the wrong storyboard in his mind. And God said to Elijah, Elijah, what are you doing here? And so I believe that God is saying to some of you today, you're stuck in a cave because you have the wrong story playing inside of your mind. And God may be asking some of you today, what are you doing here stuck in a cave? So if you take your Bibles and turn to this passage, I'm going to begin reading in verse 11 of 1 Kings chapter 19. God had called Elijah out of the cave. And it says, the Lord said, go out and stand at the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And he refused. And so God did some theatrics. And after the earthquake, after the wind, after the fire, it says there came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Verse 14, God says to him, what are you doing here? And he replied, I've been zealous for the Lord God Almighty. 
The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altar, put your prophets to death with the sword, and I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. So I want you to notice this. God says, what are you doing here? In other words, review your story. Tell me the story that got you into the cave. Elijah then begins to tell God the story that got him into the cave. In his story, Elijah says, I've been very zealous. I've tried to do everything I could, but it hasn't worked. The people are all against you. Israel's going downhill. There is no one in all of Israel that's following you except me, and everybody's against me, and everybody's trying to kill me. When God asked Elijah to tell him the story of how he got into the cave, Elijah tells him his version of the story. But what I want you to understand is that Elijah's version of the story is not a correct version of the story. It's his own perception of the story. Some of you have a story playing inside of your mind right now that's not the correct story. You have what I would call a storyboard. Now, if you're not in the film industry, you may not know exactly what a storyboard is. So a storyboard is what filmmakers lay out before they make the film. I was invited quite a few years ago to Hollywood, California by Jeffrey Katzenberg. Jeffrey Katzenberg was the president of Disney, and then he decided to connect with some of his friends, including Spielberg and Katzenberg and another partner, and they created a company called DreamWorks. DreamWorks is a company that's made a bunch of films that you would recognize, but they had just formed this company, and they had decided that they were going to make an animation film based on the life story of Moses. And they called it the Prince of Egypt. Those of you that have kids have probably seen that. And so they decided that they would create a story, an animation film on Moses. And when they got into creating the story, they realized that this was a religious story and there were several religious groups that felt like it was their story. So they invited some Jewish rabbis to come and look at the storyboard and give input onto what they thought. They invited some Catholic priests to come and look at the storyboard before they had finished the film and give input. And then they also invited some Christian evangelicals, 25 of them, and I was one of them to come and take a look at the story. So Jeffrey Katzenberg, he took us around the studios and he showed us there was over 200 artists that were drawing the pictures of Moses. They had color charts. If they want you to feel happy, they have bright colors. If they want you to feel sad, they have dark colors. And so they showed us how they were doing the storyboard and they laid out the drawings and they said, based on these drawings and this storyboard, we're going to create our film. Now, what do you think about it? And so we were able to interact with the storyboard before they actually created the film. But the film was based on the storyboard. Many of us in our life have started to create a storyboard of our life. You have an image of your story and who you are in that story. The problem is that oftentimes the story that we're drawing is not the story that God has created in our life. 
our storyboard and God's storyboard doesn't always match. And when our storyboard doesn't match God's storyboard, then it creates a spiritual problem within our life. Elijah told God what his storyboard was. And God told Elijah that his storyboard was wrong. Elijah had created his storyboard because he was discouraged and fear had helped him write a story in which he was a failure, his future was dark, he was alone, no one was with him, and everything he had done was a waste of time. That was Elijah's storyboard. I don't know what's helped shape your storyboard, but I know this, that some of you are sitting right now in this auditorium and the storyboard you have of your life does not match God's storyboard. How do you change that? Well, I believe that the first thing that God did with Elijah was God had to expose Elijah to a fresh awakening, a fresh encounter with his presence. God said, come out of the cave, and I want you to be exposed to my presence because nothing will help you rewrite the script of your life like a fresh encounter with God. It's all over Scripture. I read over and over of people that had encounters with God that changed their storyboard. Some of you have walked in this place and the storyboard that you have is very different than what God wants it to be. You may look at your life and think, well, I'm an addict. I've had failure. I've had a lot of mistakes and I I, I don't think I can ever change and I've tried a lot and and my script is going to continue to be the same script over and over. What you need is a God encounter. Only a God encounter will change your script. Do you remember Moses in Exodus chapter 3? Moses had tried to liberate the people of Israel by his own power and had been chased out of Egypt because he, he killed an Egyptian. He ran into the desert and became a shepherd, married a woman named Zephorah, had two children, and then just settled into life as a shepherd, a nomadic shepherd. When he was 80 years old and had given up on his visions of being a liberator, he was out in the field shepherding the sheep and he had this strange thing happen. He saw this burning bush and when he approached the bush, the voice of God spoke out of the bush. At that time, Moses no longer had confidence. He viewed himself as an old man that was just not going to do anything for God anymore, that his life was already done pretty much, and he was going to live a simple life, but God said, no, I'm going to call you to be the liberator of Israel. He had a burning bush experience, a fresh encounter with God that sent him back to Egypt to set the people free. His story had to be rewritten by a fresh encounter. I think of Gideon. In Judges chapter 6, he's a farm boy, hiding, doing his farm work, hiding because he's afraid of the enemy. He considers himself nothing of the smallest tribe, the lowest person, a young person that has no power to change the destiny of anything. And God shows up and sees Gideon, and the first thing that God says to Gideon is he calls him mighty warrior. And Gideon went on from there to change the script of his life. Jacob saw himself as a failure, as a deceiver, as an imposter. 
God wrestled with Jacob in Genesis chapter 32, and after he had a God encounter, he changed his name from Jacob to Israel, someone who fights with God and wins. Paul was on the road to Damascus. He was a killer of Christians and had an encounter with God and became an evangelist for Christianity after he had this encounter with God. Isaiah, the prophet, was in the temple at a time when Israel was very, very lukewarm. The people had gone to follow other idols and the spiritual climate of Israel was very, very bad. And, and Isaiah was in the temple praying and God gave him a fresh vision of who he was. And he saw God sitting on a throne and the angels flying around the throne of God saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And that encounter with God changed Isaiah around. So Isaiah said, woe is me. Here am I, God, send me. I don't know what your story is, but I believe there's times in our life that we have to have a fresh encounter with the divine presence of God. It may happen in a service like this. It may happen at your home when you're praying. But here's what I know. That when you're exposed to the fresh, divine presence of God, it makes you aware of His presence. It changes you because you go from knowing about God here to feeling God here. And it changes your storyboard around. Some of you have had an encounter like that. Some of you have never encountered God in the way that I'm talking about. I believe only a fresh encounter with God changes the way that we see our life. Maybe God has brought you here because you need a fresh encounter. Maybe you need a fresh awakening to who God is to turn you around so that you see God like you haven't seen God before. If you're taking notes, jot the second thing down. Number two, not only do we need an awakening that puts our life into fresh perspective, but we need faith to start believing God's word above our mental picture. Elijah complains to God. God says, what are you doing here? Elijah gives him his picture, his mental image of what he's doing there. And then God speaks to Elijah and God says to Elijah, Elijah, it's not going to be the way that you envision it. In fact, you're going to turn Israel around. God is going to win in the end. And then he tells him in verse 18, and by the way, there are 7,000 other people who have not bowed their knees to Baal. You're not alone. The picture that you have is the wrong picture. So I want you to grasp a new picture of what God has for you. You need faith to start believing God's word above your own mental picture. You know, here, here's part of the problem in our life. We believe what our circumstances say to us more than we believe what the Word of God says about our circumstances. Part of walking by faith is that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is believing what you have not yet touched and felt and seen, but knowing that it's on its way because God has declared that it's on its way or God has declared that it's true. That's faith. 
Some of us allow our circumstances to dictate what we believe and not our faith to dictate what we believe. Are you tracking with me? A lot of people say, unless I touch it, feel it, see it, I don't believe it yet. Let me tell you what faith is like. Faith is like, well, let's say that you were struggling with your finances and a trusted, close childhood friend of yours that always keeps his word, that you know loves you and is committed to you, says, hey, I'm sending you a check for $1,000. And you trust this person implicitly. This person has never let you down. They always keep their word. When they say they're going to do something, they're going to do it. And they say, I'm writing a check. There's $1,000 that's on its way. Well, a friend of yours says, you know, do you have the $1,000? No, I don't have it. It's not going to come. It's not on its way. He'll never do it. But you, because you know your friend, you know that $1,000 is on its way, even though you haven't touched it. You are already relieved that you can pay the mortgage because you believe that it's on its way. Why? Your friend keeps telling you around you, well, unless I see it, touch it, see the check, I don't believe it. Oh, it's never going to happen. You don't have $1,000. But they say, unless I see it, I won't believe it. But yet you say, I know it's on its way. Even though I haven't seen it, I believe it because I trust in the character of my friend. Faith is that way. Faith is saying, I know I haven't seen it yet. I haven't touched it yet. But it's as good as done because if God has spoken it, I know 100% that it's true, even though I can't feel it or touch it now because I trust the character of God. Amen? Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 says, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporal, but what is unseen is eternal. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. What I've discovered is that a lot of people allow their mental image of who they are and where they're going to be dictated by their circumstances instead of dictated by the word of God. I'm not sure who or what has dictated your storyboard. But if your storyboard is not created in faith by the word of God, then I know that your storyboard is not right. Who has shaped the image of who you are? Who is writing your story? Who is lined up your storyboard? If it's not the word of God, then chances are it's lies coming from somewhere that's created our storyboard. So our challenge is that we have to believe the Word of God over our circumstances. Listening to Mark Job here on Bold Steps, and if you'd like to revisit any part of today's message, you can do that anytime by going online to boldstepsradio.org. While there, you'll also have the opportunity to request a copy of our latest Bold Step gift. It's Mark's book that he wrote, which ties directly into this current series. It's called Unstuck, 
And Mark, tell us more about this. There's nothing worse than feeling trapped. Sometimes it's caused by hang-ups from our past or the fear of failure. Could be a dead-end job or bouts with depression. Truth is, we all have times when we end up in caves, dark places of discouragement and disillusionment that keep us from seeing the light of day. But we certainly don't have to stay there. In my book, Unstuck, I explore seven key steps that will help you walk out of the dark caves of life and into the place that God is calling you. The place and the process for each of our callings is completely unique. But I believe that there are some crucial universal principles that we all need to follow to get where we need to go. So discover how to break out from wherever you are today by requesting a copy of Unstuck. We'll send it to you with a gift of any amount to support the ministry of Bold Steps. To make your donation today and request Mark's book, Unstuck, just call 844-615-7363. That's 844-615-7363. You can also send your financial gift through the mail by addressing your envelope to Bold Steps, 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. Once again, that's 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. And before we close, I want to remind you that if you haven't already signed up to receive Mark's free weekly devotional called The Bold Stepper Weekly, I hope you'll do that today. Start your week off encouraged and inspired with truths from God's Word as Mark shares insightful personal teachings that relate to your day-to-day life. To sign up, just visit our website at boldstepsradio.org. Look for The Bold Stepper Weekly. And then be on the lookout first thing Monday morning for your personal devotional delivered right to your inbox. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for joining us. And be sure to listen again tomorrow when Mark continues this message titled, Re-Envision Your Vision. It's coming up Wednesday on Bold Steps with Mark Joe. Bold Steps is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.